What's up, everybody? My name is Joshua T. Berglund, and today I'm blessed to be joined by my amazing wife, Jessica Lynn. Do you want to say hello? Hello. <laughs> it's nice to see you guys. We are on the Live Mono Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network, and today is going to be special as yesterday was, uh, which I know whenever you're watching this, who knows what day it is. But yesterday, in real life, we had the opportunity to interview an amazing um, young man, and this story is, I still haven't been able to wrap my head around it, um, about this, this shadow prison and what's going on with sex offenders and, um, and just the way that they're treated. And, and, it's, look, and look, this is a tough subject for me. Um, as somebody that was molested by men and women, um, and then, of course, I have my own demons and my own, all of the things, this is a really rough subject for me. But however, in the two interviews I've done with people, one person that was wrongfully accused and the other person who admitted that they were wrong uh, and then served their time and got help and then got thrown into the shadow prison, I, I, I'm seeing this injustice and I'm seeing these nightmares. With that said, we're going to get started because we have a phone call from this shadow prison right now who's going to join us. And we have the mom with us today. And her name's Mary, like Merry freaking Christmas. So, without further ado, let's bring Mary on. Hi, Mary. Hi. Nice to meet you. Thank you for having me on. Nice to see you. And we're going to bring your son on now. Mm -hmm. This is so much easier when it's all video and we can all be on the screen. But Your call will now be connected. Paul. Paul. I mean, not Paul. Daniel. Daniel. Daniel, say hi to your mom. Hi, Sonny. Hi, Sonny boy. Can you can you hear can you hear her okay? Which language? Okay, good. All right. So we're all here together. My wife Jessica's here. And um so who wants to start? Mary, would you like to start? Uh uh, uh Daniel, would you like to go? How do we how do we want to do this? We didn't prep plan ahead. I could I can start if, if mom's cool with that. That's great. Okay. So yesterday, hey, thanks for letting us talk again, Joshua. Of course. Uh, yesterday was great. It was, a, it was an awesome opportunity to kind of introduce what we're trying to do. And my mother's on the phone, and she um, she's part of what's called the End MSOP Coalition which sort of developed after we started the first hunger strike in January uh, 2021. And it's essentially just a group of supporters outside of here that have really come alongside us and, and helped us with things we can't do it here. You know, we don't have access to the internet. We don't have um, a lot of ways to make contacts or to do research or Sometimes even making a phone call is difficult. We can't send emails. You know, we're really cut off. So to have that kind of support is crucial to, to what we need to do. And mom might have different a different view of exactly what the coalition is doing, but from from my take on it is it's, it's all about public awareness. You know, the, the taxpayers have a right to know how their money's being used, and MSOP does everything in their power to keep that from them. And the coalition has done a great job of generating more awareness, developing transparency between 
what happens in here and, and educate the public. They've helped organize rallies. They've helped organize um, conventions that are coming up soon, online Zoom calls, all kinds of things. They do conference calls on a regular basis. I'll let her get into that a little more, but she has been at the front lines of that, and I can't be more grateful for her. My mom is a, a hero in my eyes, and I just she's a symbol of strength for me, and I just can't thank her enough, so I'm glad she's here to talk about that a little bit. Aww. So, Mom, if you want to kind of explain some of the things you guys do, go ahead and let them know. Yeah, we've organized pretty well. Um, we started out, it was um, two mothers, two sisters, two um, lawyers, two, it was two of everybody almost. And um, my nephew, uh, my son's cousin also is a big part of it. He created the website. We had that started. We did the, uh, in the Facebook page, that was a big one. Um, and, and so people have access to information. We took all of Aaron's or my son's, I call him Aaron because it's middle name and that's what I, we have always called him. But anyway, um, his newsletters that he wrote, very articulate, very well-written newsletters that he and uh, Russ Hatton did. We published those for them um, so people can get inf information. They were also on um, uh, that other website that um, I can't think of it right now. But anyway, um, and yeah, organized the rallies. The guys inside spent all the money. They arranged everything. We just picked the stuff up and put it in place and, and you know, got the people there, I guess. But um, there was a hundred pizzas and six porta potties and it was it was wonderful. I mean, they overdid some, but it's the first time you don't know what to expect. <laughs> well, considering we did we got some information out. That was the main thing. And um, we donated the rest of the pizza to the homeless. <laughs> so um, it was fun. And uh, we have to, it's, people don't know what's going on. And that is the biggest problem. And public's perception about how these people, many people think that the, there's no redemption, that these people can't be fixed. And they are so wrong. Everybody is redeemable. Amen. In the eyes of our Lord, especially. Amen. And everybody deserves a second chance. And they know there's too many people in comparison. The numbers tell a story. We don't, you can just look at the numbers and it's right there in front of you. There's too many. We do not have more sex offenders in Minnesota than every other state in the union. We can't have. It doesn't make sense that we would. It's not the nature of this, of this area, even. It is just the bar is set too high. They have done this the wrong way. And there are people who are locked up for the rest of their lives for in, something anybody could have done out there. Mary, for the sake of, you know, time with your, with your son and everything else, can you just go right to the injustices and in why you're fighting? Because look, your son's admitted that what he did was wrong. He served his time, but where he got placed, he did nothing to deserve that. So let's, can we talk about this prison that's, you know, this, that's under the, it's pretending to be a hospital, but it's really a prison yeah. where there's injustice, death, uh, and, and, and beyond going mm -hmm. on there. Can you talk about that? Yeah, they, what they're 
consistently, I can say from the information I've gotten in, that they change the records. They change the the records. They are are given the the evaluator is told what diagnosis to use. It, he said it flat out to my son. This is a diagnosis they told me to use on you. Well, that's not valid. That doesn't fly. I'm the even in his paperwork. There's a area where he talked about an incident that happened when he was in high school, and um, it was a little fight between us. Something long forgotten, but he had pushed me and I hit my head against the chimney and I had a couple of stitches in my head. He pushed past me. In the paperwork, it got transposed from pushed to punch. And I had, and that his mother had stitches in her face. That is far from the truth. And that's the only violent thing in his records. And it's wrong. That's not what happened. If How they you get correct the that? words and make uh, something other than what it is, than the truth. Mm -hmm. And they do it all the time. So, to answer your question, I, I know somebody is trying to correct the record like that. Taking, he's been doing this for 18 years. He's been trying to get it changed. So there's a process, but he's uh, been trying for 18 years. And what my mom described there is something that happened when I was 15 years old. I was blacked out. And, you know, it's something I disclosed to, the, to a psychiatrist and they twisted it. Uh, and it's something they've used against me ever since. But that's just one example of literally hundreds. I mean, I don't even read my records anymore because it's so overwhelming and they just make up everything. Um, and there's just no way to challenge it. There's no transparency. There's, you know, I, I've been pushing to have um, every interaction recorded. Every interaction between any staff member should be recorded. And, and I should be given a, a disc or a flash drive of some kind so that I always have that because it's our word against theirs all the time. And they have every reason to protect their jobs and not let anybody go. So, I mean, we want transparency. They don't. I should tell you everything right there. I mean, every guy I've talked to, actually, we did a survey on this, and 89% of the population wants to have every interaction recorded because they don't trust staff. And I believe that other... Uh, 11 percent. I think they're just afraid to, to say what they really think. But the vast majority want that transparency because they have nothing to hide, and the staff have everything to hide. And what amazes me is why the staff wouldn't go along with that. They are alone with a offender in a room. Wouldn't they want that protection? Wouldn't they want that recorded? You know, that's actually a really good they point. They refuse. They refuse flat out. That is something. No, we will not do that. And I, I asked them. I said, "Well, they do it in the prison system. They record those one-on-one -on -one meetings." What is the benefit for this hospital to hold all of these people hostage, especially the people that haven't even been charged in forty years? Like what is the benefit? Do they is it just a cash cow for the for the, the firm that owns it? It's 
it's a state that owns it. it the state oh, runs. Really? It's a state-run facility. These are state employees. There are more employees working there than there are clients by double at least in just one facility. There, there are over two thousand, almost two thousand people who work for MSOP in these two facilities, taking care of seven hundred and fifty men or people. Sorry, it, it doesn't even add up. The the wages are outrageous. The top psychiatrist or psychologist, excuse me, makes around three hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. Good lord! Can I ask a question? Yeah, go. Um, so I'm just kind of jumping in fresh, mm -hmm. so I don't really have a backstory on things. Um, so forgive me if you guys have already addressed this, but do you, have you worked with lawyers? in this there was this big um case, the karstjens case what's yeah the karstjens case aaron go ahead or dan go ahead and tell her about that so yeah and to answer your question yes um there's been over 250 lawsuits against msop most of which have been stayed by the courts pending karstjens being harvested but so have you I'm sorry, but for you guys, have you used your own personal lawyer on this case, or is it based no, off? No, I I haven't. No, and so I don't have any money for a lawyer, so I okay. haven't had an opportunity to do that. I feel like that would but, be a big help. So, what what well, area? Good thing. So, let, let me explain something. That is, is not helped to be to be blunt. It, it, the guys have spent literally millions and millions, and we just got done with a, about an 11-year lawsuit that we won um, at the federal district court, and then and, and Judge Donovan Frank deemed the MSOP unconstitutional on its face, face and as applied, and then it got um, it got appealed to the Eighth Circuit, came back and was found not to be unconstitutional. That was a huge, uh, that was a huge, huge blow to us. And that just happened a few weeks ago. So I'm, I, so I'm we're just, sorry, I'm just wondering, Mary's doing a lot of research and a lot of work with people that I feel like someone else more experienced in law and finding those hidden ways to get around these roadblocks that would be helpful is the problem the the aesthetics of it and what i mean by the aesthetics of it is that i don't see a lot of people wanting to line up to de defend sex offenders because they've got a story in their mind whether from a personal experience or not and i i mean to be honest with you even me when tom how we met mary um first approached me i'm going you're lucky I don't murder you. I mean, I had to like check myself because I was triggered. Like, I don't, do I really want to take this on? Do I want to do this? But the truth is, after I prayed about it, I know that God can heal anybody. And as I shared with our, uh, the original podcast with Daniel, I can't, what he did, I can't look at what he did and go, that's any more evil than anything I ever did. I did way more evil than yeah. I did. Uh, you don't have to call back. Um, but I don't, 
So like, is it is it because of the aesthetics of it? Like people just don't want to be associated with people that have been uh, tried or convicted of, of, of a sex crime? Is that what it is? Is that why you can't get an attorney to help you? Right, and you don't know who to trust. That's half true. Half true? Okay, man. You're on the right track. Okay, because I would love to know. But yeah, what what seems to happen is you don't know who to trust. You get your case set up, you go in there with the lawyer, and at the last minute, the lawyer can flip on the whole thing, and you're done. And there's nothing you can do. That's pretty much what happened to um, my son. Uh, his lawyer was actually on meth. A year after his case, he was busted with a house full in Mankato. And he admitted in the initial police report that it had been using for at least a few years. So it adds up to where it was right there in the middle of my son's case when he was so committed. Son, he didn't even know what was going on. Your son had a lawyer? Yeah, it was, but they're, it's a public defender paid for by the same county that's committing him. Okay. And it's tough to get win with a public defender. Right. Sure. But he was supposed to be the best one. Well, you know, of course, he didn't get anything but a probation violation for his offenses. Hello. This is a prepaid debit call from... Yeah. Call for subject to monitoring and may be recorded. Your call will now be connected. Thank you for using GTL. Welcome back. Yeah, so this is a great question. And it's probably my biggest sticking point, so I'm glad we're talking about it. The Minnesota Sex Offender Program, that's the name of the program. The name is very misleading. The Department of Human Services does not have the jurisdiction to sanction for criminal activity. There are no sex offenders here. Now, having said that, I am a registered sex offender. But when I say that those words sex offender, I'm talking about I have committed a crime and according to the DOC, I served that time. In the DHS, I'm a mental health patient. I'm not a sex offender. I'm not a criminal. They have nothing to do with sanctioning criminal activity. They should have never been able to use that term, sex offender. Now, I might be splitting hairs here, but bear with me. When people who are not convicted of a sex crime start getting locked up and being put into a building, that is called the Minnesota Sex Offender Problem or Program. I got a problem with that. Yeah. Because they're not, they're really not sex offenders. I am, but I'm serving my time with the DOC. I'm going to be off of paper in about five years, and I, I will have done my whole parole, my whole prison bit, the whole thing, and it will not release me from here. This place is focused on my mental health, but the public misses that when they look at the name of the program. Now, if you wanted to just keep all the actual sex offenders locked up in here, man, I couldn't even argue that. You know, I, can, I understand the fear and the anger that is associated with a convicted sex offender. I respect it. But nobody is here under that kind of logic, under that Jeez. rationale. We're here for a trumped-up mental illness. And this is why we're doing this. This is dangerous for the general public. Not sex offenders, everybody. Right. Because they can trump up something against you, your wife, your kid, it don't matter. And they're doing it. 
and it has nothing to do with committing a crime, and they can lock you up for life. And the, thing, the other thing about this is that it's very closely related to the um, uh, substance abuse laws, which those people can be committed as well. But their commitment ends in 90 days. This is indefinite. So if they were to take that in 90 days for substance abuse offenders and turn it into indefinite, where would we all be? Then we're on the verge of mass incarceration. And everybody needs to be concerned about how the civil system works because it's way too easy to get in and way too hard to get out. And that's the biggest problem. It, it, it doesn't line up with other states, the way they run their civil commitment um, programs. It's over the line, especially in this state is. And What's the diagnosis Daniel was given? Um, you know it better than I do, Daniel. Well, Aaron? You want me to answer? Please. Yeah. Yes. So I, I was diagnosed with pedophilia, female attraction for grabbing a nine-year-old girl's butt, and other specified paraphilic disorder, non-consent in a controlled environment, and antisocial personality disorder. What, what's the last part of personality disorder? Antisocial. antisocial personality disorder. Okay, so I understand that diagnosis a little bit because I had disassociative identity disorder, and. And there's been times that I've told myself I belong locked up. I mean, I, I, in fact, I wanted to commit myself, but I think I don't want to say I have DID ever again, especially living in Minnesota. That's terrifying. And I also don't understand the pedophilia diagnosis either. I've grabbed more butt in my life playing around. I mean, not kids, but I mean, like even goofing around, slap my male friend on the butt in football. You'd have to rest the whole football team. You're underage, slapping each other on the butt, whipping each other with towels, whatever. I mean, you know, guys do stupid crap like that. Slap you on the butt. Now it's a sex crime? I mean, it's just so weird. Like, none of this, this doesn't even make sense to me. And so you're right about it is a danger to the public. And what I'm even more amazed by, again, I said it yesterday, but the president's son. It's in the New York, it was in the New York Times yesterday. His laptop, all the pedophile crap in it, all the crime, it's all there. That's the president's son. And by the way, it's connected to the big guy, his, his father that runs this country, or at least pretends to. And that's a whole other conversation. But the point is that we have this, this is an, a massive problem. And I think the only way that you guys have a chance of fighting it is getting PR. In other words, because if you think about it, PR is what helped them. You guys need PR, and I don't know how this can happen, but somehow you guys contributing to society from that hell that you're in may be the only way you get out. It may be the only way. And if it's doing podcast appearances until something happens, if it's starting a ministry, something, you guys have to make a different kind of noise that they can't dispute. Because if you make the noise that you're making now, they're going to keep shutting you up and shutting you down. You got to learn how to. You have to play the game differently. That's the only way you're gonna you're gonna get the message out. Like you have to play their game. You have to use their rules against them. And I'm a master at doing that because I've had to take on the government my whole life. I worked in healthcare for 18 years, 
And, and I know from that system how gamed it is against the people. you got to play the game back with them. Use their rules against them. There is a hole in their rules. Yes. There has to be. There's a hole, and you guys have to expose it. And I'm not – listen, you know, people that are truly violent offenders, it's the same way. It's like judging the homeless people. Like my, my, my wife has got a heart for everybody – but really people in need and people without homes. And, but there's people without homes that belong, look, they belong like in a secure facility because they, their mental health could be damaged and maybe with the proper medication, they can get help. There's other people that just need a helping hand. There's other people that choose to be homeless. But the fact is this, until you get them and you evaluate properly with, with no agenda, there's no way that you can go solve this problem. There's got to be a way. There's got to be a way to show the injustice that's being done, but do it in a way that it, they're not expecting. It has to be. Sorry. I've been, I've been researching and looking for five years. Um, you know, it took a couple of years to get over the hump of the um, whole aspect of the offenses and things. You know, I've read a lot of cases and things, but once you get over that hump, then you can look at the this the way people are treated so differently. There, you'll have from one extreme to the other, and nothing makes sense. The way they treat them in the in the facilities, the, the I mean, they use hula hoops, boundaries. They're not kindergartners. They're not, you know, it, it just doesn't even make any sense. Vote 
back and let everybody else do the work for us. This is America. We're supposed to do something. If we have a problem with something, we have to speak up. So I, I know there's a lot of family members of guys that I live with that have a problem with this, and I believe they're not doing their part to speak up. I know it's very difficult. There's a lot of shame involved. Um, but that's just what it's going to take. You know, this place has been denounced by places like Cato Institute out of Washington, D.C., the American Psychiatric Association, ACLU, Harvard University. These institutions have denounced MSOP in their articles. But your average citizen doesn't sit around and read Harvard Law Reviews. They don't have a clue. And it doesn't make the news. But I have all this information, and, and it, you know, I sit on my desk, and I don't know what to do with it. Because the average person doesn't know that it's happening. That's our biggest struggle. So I think you're right. You know, PR is big. But I think you're also right by saying that something more dramatic is probably going to have to happen before people really care. And that's too bad. Um, and I don't want to make that happen. I think it's just going to happen naturally. I think something's going to happen. And then hopefully it generates attention. It's super important that we bring Jesus into this conversation. Um, because ultimately, any peace that I have around this is because of, of the Lord. When did you when did you give your life to the Lord, Daniel? 2007. I was in jail. And I I don't even know why, but I started reading the New Testament. And I saw a formula for seeing and witnessing God's glory. And I realized that that's what this life is about. It's not about anything else. All the extra stuff is just for a distraction or maybe a means to get to God's glory. But it's about witnessing his glory or his praise. And, well, I'm glad you brought that up because I got a few things to say about We live in a fallen world with sinners. We're all sinners. It's a fallen world. And it's a Christian's job to bring peace and love and harmony to this planet. God is not separate from us. We are his hands and feet on this planet. Amen. And if we don't address and challenge evil head on with our words, our feet, our hands, our actions, it will never change. Not everything that happens in this world is God's will. When a man rapes a woman, that is not God's will. When somebody unjustly gets locked up, that's not God's will. That's very clear in the Bible. People have to make a choice to do the right thing according to our Lord Jesus. He taught us the way to live. And very few people are living like that. That's why you have the drama and the chaos that happens in the fallen world. It is first the fallen world. And it, nothing will ever change if Christians don't stand up and do what they were told to do 2,000 years ago. Hallelujah. I'm a firm believer in that. I'll go toe-to-toe with anyone on that. <laughs> we have to speak up, stand up, and take action. So, I, that's my motivation. And the end goal is, it's, it's kind of crazy because I pour out all this energy and this. So does my mother and so does so many other people we pull. The one time that a guy gets out. So we can say, you have one minute remaining. We can say, wow, look at that. Look at him hug his mother outside of the gate. That's God's glory. And we just spent 10 years trying to do that. That's all we wanted. Wow. And it's beautiful. It's all worth it. Every bit of it's worth it. Are you calling back? I mean, that's what it's about. 
Okay. Hey, so Mary, what is um? What are, I'll, I'll ask him when he comes back, but the way he's doing these is he a, is does he have any a device or allowed a, a device that would record his voice? Oh no, not inside. No. Um. He. Yeah. No, he can't. Yeah, right now they are. Um, he had this cease and verbal cease and desist order that they these five upper um, people who work there, staff, came to him and pulled him in a room and told him that he was no longer allowed to write or say anything negative about the place. This place does not have a positive review audit. A paper written about it anywhere is everything is negative about this place the way it's run the 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 costs the money that it costs and if you can't complain about where you are being held indefinitely where are we in this world this is a prepaid debit call from this is the first amendment violation monitoring and may be recorded your call will now be connected Thank you for using GTL. Hey, Daniel. Yeah. So your mom just told me that you're not allowed a recording device and so on. So I just, I don't, I'm going to throw this out there. But since you can't verbally record your voice or anything like that, have you ever considered starting a ministry from there where you just write out messages? Well, I document everything that happened well i'm not talking about what happens i'm talking about a ministry meaning sharing what's on your heart about the lord what you're learning any of that stuff because here's what i know anytime you bring god into you can go into the most evil place in the world you bring jesus into the conversation you bring him into the atmosphere everything changes walls come crumbling down demons flee and so I understand the fight and what you're doing. You have to fight for that. But really, the best fight's going to happen outside of it. And one thing they cannot do, in fact, this would get them in probably more. I don't know if the, I don't know nowadays, but the one thing that you do have is religious freedom. You should have that. And being able to write letters and getting them to your mom and your mom giving them to me, a podcast ministry technically not from that prison, but it would be from that prison and it would be your credit. You could start a ministry from there and little by little, it would start putting a different light on that place to draw attention to it from different eyeballs to make them curious about it. And it would, and it would, it would cause new eyes to see it. And maybe those new eyes would go, wait a second. That's pretty, that's pretty screwed up. I want to do something about that. But again, you're, it's an outside-of-the-box approach because if you love the Lord and sharing our testimony and sharing our story is part of what we're supposed to do, if you focus on that instead of trying to fight the demonic court system, the demonic government, like this whole system we're in is, is demonic. So you're fighting against demons. You're trying to, you're trying to do that. You're not, you're not going to win that way, but you can win with Jesus. Could you do something like that? Uh, that came from God, not me. Maybe. I'm pretty confident anyway. <laughs> I think getting down to the details 
actually looks like. You know, I'd be interested in talking more, maybe off the air, about exactly what that looks like. But I think you're absolutely right. Um, and I, you know, I bring, I try to bring him everywhere I go. I don't try to. I mean, I, I do. Um, and it's received differently by different people, of course. But there's been a massive attack against our religious freedoms. It doesn't mean that I can't go ahead and take the consequences. But um, again, we have a huge lawsuit in for that, for, you know, the, these issues too. And um, I mean, I can't read my Bible in public. You know, I can't celebrate Christmas. There's, if they decide what's what's okay and what isn't. Um, and they're especially, you know, they really don't like Christianity in any way. Um, but we have some freedom still, but it's touch and go, like everything else. I mean, as soon as they don't like something, it just, there's no accountability. So it just depends on what staff's working sometimes. And then even administration will come down, you know, and tell us to stop doing certain things. But um, it's a great, it's a great point that you're making. Yeah, I'm just thinking I, that came to me and I don't know if it was from God or not. I mean, it felt like it because I'm not that smart. So, Mary, tell us a little bit. Well, Mary, tell us a I little bit. say this quick. It, it, what you said is biblical, so it came from God. I think it's that simple. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> Mary, can you tell us um, from your perspective what this fight has been like for you as a mom? It's been challenging. I have to say that it's been hard. Um, you know, I have other family and, and people have different ideas or opinions. I just, um, I just, I know in my heart that he doesn't belong there. I know my son does not belong there. He, there are maybe people who need treatment, but this is not treatment. This is not the right way to treat people like this. And if we want to make people better, which everybody deserves a chance to become better and to work at that to educate themselves, to have a future, to have something to look forward to. And these people have nothing to look forward to if they don't expect to ever get out. They make it so hard for them that they can't even see a light at the end of the tunnel. And that's not humane. That's not how we treat people. There's, We can do better than that. I mean, it sounds like one of the those hidden, well, the CIA prisons are a little bit more intense, but I mean, you know, like in LA and in, in, in the jails that I've been in and, you know, I have other friends that have been in prison and, you know, they're treated like human beings, you know, considering, I mean, it, it, not even considering their crimes, they're, you know, I mean, they're treated pretty well in consideration. But there's, when you hear about the shadow prisons, the things that go on, and I, I mean, I've heard of other, I've never heard of one like this, but I've heard of the other shadow prisons and it's, 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 it's just, it's kind of disgusting. I mean, look, some people do belong in these shadow prisons and they need to be buried underneath alive as far as I'm concerned, but there's other people, not so much. And it yeah. sounds like with your son, he served his time. And now, and, and it's not even, let's just remove the, 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 the inappropriate sexual uh, actions that happen. Let's remove that. The fact is that what this really issue is, is making up false diagnosis or diagnoses to, to imprison people. Right. Like that's, that's, that's like playing God. 
with people. Right. It's like they say, okay, here's your punishment. Well, they we don't think they gave you enough punishment, so we're going to punish you all over again. And now you have to sit here and talk about your crime over and over and over again and do this paper, the same paperwork or whatever, over and over and over for the rest of your life? Are you kidding me? That's crazy. Yeah. Well, I... I, I, I'm still just like at a loss for words and I'm a wordsmith of sorts. And I, and I, I can't imagine what this is like for you, Mary and, and Daniel, even you, and then seeing 31 people that you knew die around you and, and the other injustices, the gentleman that you told me about, that was another believer, um, who was, you know, out and living his life, raising a family, everything's happy. And then, he starts growing cannabis and then gets thrown into back in and and cannabis is basically legal everywhere and they're going to legalize it here in minnesota soon it, it medical is already legalized and he was using it for medical reasons like and these these are just to me gross injustices and you can examine it a hundred different ways but the fact is that we have to look at it outside of the box a little bit to go not all these situations are the same and you have to and people have to be or people on the outside have to be able to look at this going well this could happen to me too prime example and this is a weird comparison but bear with me censorship another constitutional right that we have is the freedom of speech and two over two years ago trump gets taken off twitter for what like and then other people have been kicked off of social media for basically saying the truth, which now a year later has been proven true. So look at it like this. If you are out there listening right now and you're going, well, this is screwed up. They need to be locked up, blah, 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 whatever. You got to understand what they're trying to say is that this can happen to you in Minnesota. This is a Minnesota problem. You have 60 seconds remaining. This is the first time she said 60 seconds. Daniel, do you have any last words, my man? I do, but I, I want to see if I can call back one more time, if, if that's okay. Sure, that's yeah, we, we can do that. Time for that. Are you sure? Yeah, it's fine. Well, I can do one more round. Okay, I may have to call through mom this time. I think that was my cue that I ran out of money. Oh, okay. Maybe that's why she changed her speech. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, are you going to be able to answer? Yeah. Okay. Hi. Yeah, Mom, I'm going to call you, okay? Yep. <laughs> okay. Never done a broadcast like this before. <laughs> uh, I, uh, wow, right. man. I, this is I want not. To make one more point. Go ahead. When I call back. <laughs> Thank you for using GTL. Jim Tan Laundry. Um, Every time she says it, I'm just, I, I can't get it out of my head now. Um, yeah, yeah, I can't even imagine what you go through, Mary. I, well, I, I can't. And they, they call this a treatment center. I mean, my my dad was an alcoholic. I've been to treatment centers. My mom went to go visit him and thought that she was going to, like, sit down and have coffee. Not the case. You have to get approved. You have to have a background check. Not anybody can just go in there and visit. 
it's really, you know, if it was a treatment center, I should be able to take them off for coffee or lunch or something. You can't do that. Nothing yeah, like that. even I got to. I got to do those things. When I, God. Yeah, that doesn't happen. No, there. It's a prison all the way. It's and the treatment oh, is. God hits it with lightning. Is not is nil. It is nil. The, the medical treatment is even worse. I don't even know what they would have done with me. I'm way crazier than your son. <laughs> yeah, the, the medical treatment they get there is nil. Is it's. They they, oh, they have a ten days. No, they can. Um, by the time they put in a request for medical services, it takes ten days to, for somebody to get to them. I hope no one's eyeball fell out. Okay, can you hear um, Aaron or Dan on here? Yeah. Okay. It's very confusing when you call him Aaron, though. <laughs> yeah, I got him on here. Okay, this is going to be a little bit harder. Yeah, I hear you good. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Can you hear? Okay. Uh, yeah. I want to tell you what happened last night real quick. Because you mentioned medical. Yeah. My old cellmate, um, his name is Ivan. He, uh, he had surgery recently, um, yesterday, and he had to beg to go to the hospital. And they finally let him go. That's rare. You're not going to hear that often where a guy gets to go to the hospital. Um, but he got to go, which was kind of crazy. But he came back, had a colostomy bag with him this time. They had cut a hole in his stomach and um, gave him a bag. I don't know exactly how it works, but you know, he's urinating in a bag uh, through his stomach. And I, I don't know all the details, but our um, event coordinator, Jeremy Builder, went with him to the Downton Medical Services after he got back from the hospital and he said there was one nurse. All the nurses have quit, especially in the last year or two. There's one nurse down there and we don't have a doctor. And um, he almost died. I don't know all the details, but he almost died. I got to talk to Ivan today and he's pretty scared. Uh, they're just not really helping him. He, he went to the hospital, came back, uh, his colostomy bag wouldn't, wasn't working. He urinated all over himself. There was a blood clot in his um, bladder, I believe. And um, he's just, a, it's a scary place to get sick. Um, last night, another guy went, uh, he had a heart attack. He came back, though. He, he seems fine. But it, the population's getting older. What happened is, in 2003, there was a huge influx of commitments. And a lot of those guys are now in their 60s and 70s. And so the population is getting older. The death rate is, is higher. Like I told you before, I've witnessed a third of the deaths in the last five years because there's, about, there's a death every 60 days, pretty much on target, you know, every 60 days. And, and sometimes once a month, you know, for four months. The last four months has been once a month, actually. Um, from, let me think, probably... November, December, January, February, there was a death each one of those months. And I knew all those guys and their older gentlemen. So, you know, I expect that the death rate is going to keep going up as the population is getting older. And for, for, those of those, for those guys who are convicted sex offenders, not all of them are, the recidivism rate for anyone over 60 is 0%. 
their likelihood of reoffending is zero percent. For the population as a whole, it's about three percent, and we have the lowest recidivism rate of all offenders. Whether it's a thief or a drug dealer or even a murderer, sex offenders have the lowest rate of recidivism, and yet there's a need for this hospital. I don't get it. This prison. So I wanted to say that that I wanted to also um, give an analogy off the top of my head. I hope this makes sense, but this is why this is important. This should be important to the public. This is a perfect scam. If what they did is they created a law that allows them to lock up innocent people, but to hide that, they first used it to lock up people that are convicted criminals. It's perfect because it makes people believe that everyone's here for that. So if I created a law that said, if you have even the slightest bit of an anger problem, I'm going to create, I'm going to start a program called the Minnesota Murderers Program, and I'm going to lock you up there, but not until I first lock up 600 murderers, convicted murderers, and make you believe that they're locked up for that conviction. Then I can start going around and picking up people with an anger problem and put them in the same building, and everybody's going to look the other way because they're going to think you're there for killing somebody. That's what they're doing. So, yes, I'm a convicted sex offender. I deserve life in prison, if not death. I'm totally on board with that. And if I walked out of here tomorrow, I would be begging for harsher prison sentences for sex offenders. But that's not what this is about. This is being this is locking up innocent people under the guise of the sex offender label. They're taking advantage of people's fears. So. I, 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 I'm, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm still lost. I, I, I keep, every time I want to say something, it just will not be a coherent sentence. I, I, I'm dumbfounded by this. You know, another thing we haven't even touched on in our conversation is about the um, psychologist who was recently charged with having sex with the clients. About I was going to ask about this in the yeah. hospital. Yeah, tell me about this. Go ahead, Aaron. Well, so I talked to one therapist before this happened. So we're talking about the Michelle Brownfield. And this happened in April 2021 was when she got charged. Uh, the situation, you know, obviously happened a few years before that. And then it took some time to catch up with her. I'll touch on that here in a second. A few years before this, uh, I was here about a year. I was in group one day, and and my therapist, Paul Mayfield, told me that he's worked here for 18 years, and he's known of, quote, hundreds of inappropriate relationships between staff and clients. And my mouth dropped. I said, what do you you mean, hundreds? I know about hundreds. Well, how come no one knows about this? And he just kind of shrugged, and he says, I don't know. Because he worked in a certain department where it was basically his job to walk staff out of here if they were caught. And I started talking to clients and they said, man, before they put cameras in the library, that's where everybody went. And there there was staff and clients hooking up constantly. And I I, I say hooking up, I shouldn't say hooking up because it's really them taking advantage of vulnerable adults. Even if, so I'm going to play a little, uh, game here, I guess, but I don't see 90% of this, 99% of this population is not mentally ill, but they believe that we are. 
so these these staff are having sex with clients that they believe is mentally ill, but I personally don't. I don't see it that way because I don't believe in that mental illness. I don't really believe in that. So, but they are vulnerable in the sense that these men want to go home, and the staff are taking advantage of vulnerable men who just want to go home. So, it's kind of hard to believe that a grown man can be manipulated by a female, but you flip the roles and, and put her in a position of power. She's got the keys to his freedom. He's been here 20 years. How could he say no to her? It's very difficult. I've been hit on twice and I called him out immediately. And it was one of the hardest things I ever did. Both of these females, I called them out. I, I stood my ground and it, it was very to do because I mean, I just did it because that's what God's told me to do is, is, to, is to be accountable and to, and to not commit adultery. I'm married, been married 10 years. My wife and I don't get along, but I'm still married. So I said, don't talk to me like that. I'm not interested. Stay away from me. And that was that. But did I receive retaliation? Absolutely. I ended up in Omega. I think that was connected to what I said to these women. Um, that's around the time when I actually, when, the first time I got hit on was in April 2021, Ballots and Collins. And this was the same the same month that Michelle Brownfield got charged with two counts of third degree sexual misconduct for having sex with two different clients. And that case is still pending. Um, I don't know the update of it. I haven't talked to those guys in, in a little while, but uh, I'm good friends with both of the guys. They just, they live in different parts of the building. But, um, you know, when I talked to them, they, I mean, just, just like I suspected, you know, they, they have no way of saying no to her. I mean, she was like five foot three, you know, small female. So it's not a physical threat, but the threat is I've been here 20 years and I want to go home. If she hits on them, how are they going to say no? They can't. It's embarrassing. They're worried about no. They just want to go home. That's the problem, you know, and there's no, there's no transparency. There's no accountability. They, they get their conversations recorded. They're alone in a room together. It's her word against his. I don't go in a room alone with these people if I can help it. Good God. You're you're stronger than me because I would have done anything and everything possible to get out you of don't know. You wouldn't know if you were damned if you do, if you're damned if you don't. You don't know what will happen in the end. They may... Yeah, I'm a risk taker, though. <laughs> like, I'm a troublemaker. I would have, I mean, and I still am. I'm more of a troublemaker with Jesus than I ever was uh, when I was evil. Oh, yeah. God, man, I just don't even, I, I've seen, listen, again, I'm, I'm friends with enough people that have been in prison and jail. And then of course, you know, the documentaries and research and now and getting to meet people that have been out of prison for a while and, and hearing their stories. I believe, I mean, everything that you're saying right now, I know it happens. I, I just didn't want to be inappropriate and ask, which I don't know why I would censor myself. I never do, but I did just then. But thank you for addressing this because that is a that that is a uh, a wicked game that's being played on other people, and it's a form of mind control and manipulation. And it's meant to break your spirit. It's weaponizing sex, and I know all about doing that. Again, that's why I cannot even sit here and act and pretend that. The evils I've done are any any better or whatever. I, I can't do that. And I'm not even trying to humanize 
people that have been convicted of those crimes. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just being honest. And on and, and another thing, one of my closest, I should, I, I should, I like social media friends, but I know I'm friends with them in person too, but we mainly interact on social media. Friends with two sisters whose father was a pedophile and gave his life to Jesus, turned his life around and lived a clean life for the remainder of his years before he died. So like, I know it can be done. And the fact is this, Jesus, the only sin I know of that's unforgivable is basically when you talk smack against the Holy Spirit. When you when you say damning, damning things to the Holy Spirit or you renounce the Holy Spirit, like that's the one unforgivable sin. And so, again, even though this is not about sex offense and sexual violence, that's a sub subject to this over the real issue at play. The fact is, everybody that's listening right now, I guarantee you that 90% are stuck on sex offender. So I want to say this. Sex offenders get to be forgiven too. Jesus gets to save them too. Even if what Daniel did was worse than what he said and what he was charged for, even if it was worse than that, Jesus will forgive him too. Yes. And they, everyone can be redeemed. Everyone, people can be healed. Most of these mental illnesses that are being, that are, are these diagnoses that are be given are given to these men. If you know the history of psychiatry, it's a war on the soul. Yeah. They want to take it. And that's what those medications do. That's they, what they rob you of your soul and your ability to think for yourself. And I know people think they need their medications and there's, I'm really, 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 really depressed. Well, I really had multiple personalities and I did it with no medication. God will heal you. Mm -hmm. When you give your life to God, he will heal you. And that, and that, and I, and, and I believe that with all my heart. So it's almost like there's 85 different battles going on all at one time with this. And that's why, again, I keep going back to this. I think the most powerful thing that Daniel you can do is start a ministry and you pray about it. If it's on yeah. you, if God yeah. tells you, that is the thing to do. I believe it with all my heart. That is what's going to make those walls come down. And it can be done. When there's a will, there's a way. You got a newsletter out, you can start a ministry through a newsletter. I think my son right, is capable of we anything. We're going to switch into our rooms now, so I got to into our cells. Okay, man. Gonna go, but Pray for you, bro. And, uh, God bless you, brother. God bless your listeners. Thanks, Mom. Love you guys. Okay. Yeah, I love you too, man. Okay. God bless you, bro. God bless. All right. Bye. Is that hard for you to hang up? I talk to him often. Okay. I mean, and, is it um, still... Is it still weird? Do you ever get to see him at all? Yeah, I, I um, didn't for a while because of COVID. We have an echo, I think. But um, I did see him on the 9th. That was his birthday. I went up and saw him on the 9th and the 10th. I spent the night. It's a five-hour drive one way for me. So I like to go with somebody. and you know. But um, So I try to go at least every three to four months and, uh, and visit for a few hours. It's yeah, it's a five hour drive and a two hour visit. Wow. So well, Mary, do you have any last words that you want to share with the audience? I mean, literally, the floor is yours. Say anything and everything you want to say. Um, it's just it's it's good to be able to 
voice our concerns. And this is something that should concern everybody because what this can lead to is mass incarceration. It is way too simple for the people in power to twist the truth and to put anybody away that they think are not able to function well in society. And I, they, right now, one of the things they call my son is arrogant and narcissistic. Those traits are not illegal. Those, nothing, <laughs> those traits are not, you know. Um, anyway, <laughs> I know some people that wish it was. Right. There's, you know, many people are narcissistic and arrogant, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, he, who gets anywhere with successfully without having some of those traits? And I, believe me, I don't think it's very hard to beat the band in that group anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, they, they really take their power to the top and they're getting paid to do it. And the money is outrageous what they're getting spent. They're spending for these people to, to work there. The average wage is over 130000 a year. For, yeah, it, the problem is, you know, it's me. You don't, people don't not. care about dropping five, $15 million yeah. bombs on innocent kids. I don't know how much they're going to care about this. Right. Money doesn't seem to matter to anybody out there anymore. What well, at least, yeah. And, and when you're going, when you're trying to wrestle with power, um, you, you have to take, again, the, the approach. You can't outgun them, so to speak. So, oh. You have to rely on just like when in the Bible it talks about the weapons of, you know, we don't fight with the weapons of this world. We fight with our testimonies. We fight with the word of God. And that's why I'm being very stubborn about saying this, because I feel like I have to. Like if he wants to make a difference here, this is what he has to do. I believe it with all my heart. And I and the reason why is because I've I know another gentleman, the guy. Tom, how we met, I know how he's fighting right now. Mm -hmm. And, and basically what it does is it makes them all look crazy because of the labels that have been in the stigma that's attached to it. And, and I, and I know this from the other causes that I talk, I talk about, I mean, I talk about, you know, being molested and the consequences of that and what it was like to live a lie. And I, I mean, I try to break the stigmas of HIV and I, I do these things. And half the time people look at me like my head's cut off. Well, in the eyes of the public, that stuff I'm talking about is pretty crazy. But then you throw sex offender into the mix. Then you got a whole other animal that you're fighting against. Right. And I really, 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 really believe because that is the. You've got two things happening here, Mary. The world's about to find out that it's run by pedophiles. Like and, and very corrupt, evil people. Like the world's going to find out. It's inevitable. It's got to happen sooner than later. It's already bubbling up over the surface. Yep. So then you got this, which this is going to be in all the exposure and the attention that's being drawn to what is about to happen. No one's going to have time for this. Right. Because this is not going to matter to people. It's not. It's not. But again, you bring Jesus into the building and then the conversation and he starts doing the one thing he's supposed to do as a believer. And that's share the word of God and share his testimony and those stories. And he's very articulate. He's a very intelligent guy, like brilliantly intelligent. 
if he takes those talents and puts them into this, it's a redirect of the light, but he's going to get backed up by the Lord. And the Lord is going to do what the Lord's going to do. And I believe that the injustice will be corrected, but you cannot, he, you, him, they can't go toe to toe against this beast. They got to think a different way. And I think that's looking and being and, 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 and really exercising his faith and verbalizing his faith. I think that's what's going to do it. I really believe that. I don't call myself a prophet, but God shows me things and God talks to me. And if this is of God, if he is truly supposed to be out of there, and if there's truly these injustices happening, I don't believe that God will allow it. But we have to fight. So you guys have to fight differently. And and listen, I'll anything I'm able to do. I mean, this is why you guys are here, um, you know, to help shine a light on this. But I really believe that that is the way that this injustices, these injustices are going to be turned around. The truth, the truth has to win. The, the good always, always the bad. It, the truth always comes out on top. I, I, I believe that. And, God and sometimes, yeah, I mean, if people people have a hard enough time receiving the truth that Jesus really is, um, and this is a more complicated truth. But listen, I'm I'm praying for both of you, um, and in in really even for all the people there, whether they deserve to be there or not, you know, they are in my prayers because I. Look, it's really, really easy to point the finger and judge, you know, like, ah, oh, sex offender. Ah, oh, he's mentally ill. Ah, oh, he's crazy. Ah, oh, whatever. It's easy to do that. These are normal people. Until you've been able to, until you've grown up in that person's shoes. Like, it's why I get so mad at Christians for judging people that are gay or bisexual or people that had an affair or they cheated on their taxes. Right. Like, judging any of that stuff, you know? Until you've been in that situation that that brought that out, it I don't think we have the right to judge because circumstances can change things. Right. You know, throw drugs into the mix, throw history of abuse in the mix. That makes a recipe for some crazy behavior that's not sane. And I'm, and as the, as the, I hear all the time, don't hate the sinner, hate the sin. Right. And and I and I believe I. I believe with everything in me that Daniel is fighting for all the right reasons. And um, I do believe him. I mean, even the conversations that we had before I even interviewed him, um, God was all over him. And I, I believe that, you know, that's hard to hide. So anyway, I, again, you guys are in my prayers. Thank you so much. It was a joy talking to you and, and letting us get this out. And thank you so much. All right. God bless you. All right. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Well, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't know if that was even concluded or what, but I can tell you that um, I do know already because I got two emails today and I don't even know how, um, you know, there was word of the interview from yesterday. I don't know how that happened, but. Anyway, um, I know there's other people that are paying attention to this now, and um, I pray that more. Um, and look, there's, you know, like Oklahoma, uh, the way Oklahoma treats female prisoners, that's an issue. I mean, there's just the prison system as a whole. Um, 
is is pretty screwed up. And and look, there are some great programs out there for real. There are, uh, but there's also some really bad horror stories too. And um, you know, because I haven't seen anything face front, so it, it uh, you know, with my own eyes, it's very very hard for me to go out and attack anybody. But I will tell you, if you do a simple internet search about some of the stuff that we've discussed today, it's it's everywhere. And it's a problem, but evidently it hasn't been big enough a problem to some people to do anything about it. And I do believe that people deserve a second chance. And some people, you know, I, I think with Jesus, we get 8,000 chances. Um, but I do people, I do believe that people can be rehabilitated if given the proper care, put in the proper environment. And, um, and, and I believe that as a human being, that we should all want that. We should want people to heal. And we should want people to become who God created them to be. Because think about this. You know why I can say I'm grateful that I've been in jail six times. I have HIV battled my sexuality basically my entire life, was molested, overdosed, almost died, been homeless, bankrupt, all of it. I lost my kids, which hurts, by the way. Um, marriages, sanity, respect, all of it. I can say I'm grateful for every bit of that because of what God gets to do with it. And that was the power of of me giving my life to Jesus is that all of my shit, all of the evil, all of the hell that I unleashed had the opportunity and got the opportunity and has been used for good. My mistakes and relapses that I got to confess publicly had got used for good. Were there consequences? Oh, of course. Consequences, yeah, there's consequences for our actions. There's consequences for good things that you happen in our life. Like if I handed you a million dollar check right now, most of you'd be super excited. I also know that more than half of you would go spend it on stupid stuff. <laughs> and then you would be then you would be out of money pretty quick too. Um, my anyway, my point is this: for all the evil that is done, there is an equal and opposite reaction. There meaning there's an equal and opposite opportunity to do that much good. So for as Far over here, evil as you are in Christ, you get to go over here with good. That's a that's a reality. I know it. My whole life, my own life is a testimony to that. And there's a lot of other people out there too. And so that's why putting people in a place and getting giving people an opportunity to heal and be in a safe place and get the proper treatment is important. I don't believe that child molesters and child abusers are born that way. I believe that, that they're, they're created through being hurt themselves. I don't think I grew up, I, don't, I wasn't born a monster and I became one. But then Jesus got a hold of me. And even though I can be scary still, My, my, my fruit, the, the blessings in my life, my wife, my kids, my grandson, 
the, the relationship I have with my mom and stepdad, the people that I get to serve and help, that's, that's God. That's all God. So, well, yeah, I believe in justice. And I believe in punishing and consequences for crime. I also believe in doing the right thing and fairness and forgiveness and understanding and compassion. So I would suggest, regardless of how you feel right now, whether you think this is all BS or you're mad or you're sad or you're happy, whatever it is, I just ask that you please pray for Mary and Daniel and all the other people that are held against their will that are undeservably serving sentences somewhere with no chance of getting out. Pray that justice is served. Pray that justice is served for all the little boys and girls that are being trafficked all over the world and, or, and having their organs harvested or being sold in the sex trade. Pray for them. Pray for rehabilitation of the prostitutes and the pimps that are out there. And pray, even though they're evil, and we live in a demonic system, pray for our leaders that God works on their heart. There's a lot to pray for right now. There's a lot of evil. And I know how uncomfortable this is for some of you because it was uncomfortable for me. But we still get to pray. We still get to love. We still get to have compassion. We still get to forgive. God bless you. And uh, thank you for being here. I'm going to awkwardly go over here and scroll through my videos as we do this. The red carpet, the red carpet, the red carpet.